Father, as we get into your word, we do uh, once again just ask God that you would move mightily, that Lord, as we read these things, again, it wouldn't just be stuff we're reading or something we're studying, but God, it would be heart-changing, life-altering. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Have your way with us. And I do pray, God, that, uh, Lord, that you would uh, take every individual in here tonight and do something significant in their lives. We want to draw closer to you. We want to fall more in love with you. We want to better understand you. So, God, open up our hearts, open up our minds, our intellect, that we could do that. So, bless this time, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter's shifting now. So he's been talking kind of about these false teachers and stuff. He's going to talk a little bit about their attitude. But now he's going to shift in this last part. Peter's going to talk about the second coming of Jesus and the fact and the reality of that second coming. I know when I got saved, I was a little disturbed. I went to, I've shared with you guys, I went to a very liturgical church that, that did everything and they did everything in a foreign language and you know, it was just liturgy. You just did certain things and stuff. But I never knew Jesus was coming back. I think that's some good information. Personally, I think that's something that in any church, that should be one of the main things you tell people that Jesus is coming back. Now, my dad, and not to you know, speak ill of him, but my dad would always say this. And, and so he would say, so-and-so thinks they're the second coming of Christ. So he kind of had that saying, but I don't think he knew what he was saying because he wasn't saved. But I'm thinking, why don't people, like, why don't people talk a little bit more about that? that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his church. And here's the thing, it's been, it's been denied, fought, put down, mocked, ridiculed since the very beginning. And maybe that's why we don't do it, right? Because we don't want to get mocked, ridiculed, and, and made fun of, and etc. But it's from the beginning, and tonight, Peter's gonna start talking about how it was in his day. So imagine, you know, you were someone who walked with Jesus, you heard what he said, and now you got these people mocking it and making fun of it. And part of it is because we have to wait. Who likes waiting here? Like, right, man, that's like, oh, oh. And we don't like waiting, and then kind of worse than that, we don't only have to wait, we got to wait and watch, right? I, I, it's okay if you can wait and get distracted. Like if I'm waiting, you know, if I'm like in a doctor's office, I got to wait, I'm on. Isn't it great now we have these little square things we can pull out and start doing stuff on and get distracted and not have to think too much about it? Although, usually if I'm waiting, I'm texting my wife, I'm waiting. <laughs> and she'll text back, be patient. And I'll say, I'm still waiting. Like two minutes later, I'm still waiting. Be patient. Don't lose it, Pat. Be good. So we, I'm, I'm, I'm particularly bad at waiting. I just don't like it. And I think a lot of us are that way. But you know what? We're having to wait for the Lord, right? And here's the thing. Man, I know that we're closer to his coming than Peter was. Yes. So you kind of get that, right? So Peter talking to his generation and, and, and much like us. And so let's kind of get some information here for our own hearts 
as we walk through this. So verse one, he says, beloved. And you know, I just want to draw attention to that again. Peter calls them beloved. And here's the guy, my, my mental picture, and it could be all wrong. My mental picture of Peter is he's some burly, you know, brawny fisherman, kind of like just careless kind of guy and stuff. Guys like that don't use beloved, right? I mean, and that's not part of them, but man, Peter had a heart for these people, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe we'll get to heaven, and he's like some little scrawny, skinny guy, like sitting in the corner. I don't know, but I have this idea. But listen, he says, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. That's kind of a parenthetical thing. So Peter is saying, this is my second letter. I think that's important for us to understand. Now, here's what sort of blows my mind. You know, I share with you guys all the time. I'm the simple guy. And when Peter says, I write to you this second letter, I don't think it's really hard to figure out what was the first letter, right? It's first Peter. And again, I can't believe the commentaries. Well, you know what? Chapter three is a separate letter than chapter one or two. Where did you come up with that? So again, I, I, think, I think the second letter is this letter. The first letter was first Peter that he wrote. But so he's, he's declaring, and here's what does me good. Peter has just told us, I wrote both of those. Yes. So who's the author of first Peter and second Peter? Peter, right? So that's not real hard to figure out. Studying the Bible is not as complicated as some people make it. So listen, then he says this, now I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds. Now, again, it's fun to, to look at, and a lot of people go, uh, what does he mean by pure minds? And some of the translations do say sincere, which might be a little bit better. And I don't want to say, you know, a lot of people say, well, we don't have pure minds. Well, I would hope we had pure minds by, by the Holy Spirit purifying us, not that we're perfect. But, but also, just think about, here's what he's saying, and I think this is a good thing to, for us to get in our hearts. There is this part of our relationship with God that is intellectual. We have an emotional part and a sincere part and a heart part, but we also... God does not bypass our intellect. And so here's what Peter's saying. I want to stir up your minds. I write these letters to stir you up, to get your mind thinking. And it's okay to think. It's okay to be somebody that you process things. Hey, you may come up with a bad conclusion, but you'll figure that out. It'll be okay. So he says, man, I want to stir you up. And, and I like that idea of stirring up minds. And, you know, that's my heart's desire here. And then he says this, I want to stir up your pure minds or your sincere minds by way of remembrance. What is that telling us? That he's going to repeat things. Why does God repeat things so much? Because we forget and we don't pay attention. This is for those of us who in school paid absolutely no attention, you know, and, and people have to repeat things and say things over and, and do things over. I was that student, you know, I was that, I was that kid that I was so busy with other stuff that even as a little guy, I was busy with other stuff. This, whatever the teacher's doing is like crazy. So things need to get repeated. And sometimes... 
today, I still will get involved. I'll get involved in studying and I'll read something so fast like I'm going through and I just, and, and I didn't really listen with my heart or my head what I was reading. I was just, blah, 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 you know, going through it. And so God has to repeat. And I, and I think that's important for us to, to understand that, that listen, he's not repeating for the sake of repeating and Peter says, man, I want to do this. I want to remind you guys. And then he says this. And here's, a, here's a, to me, the important part of what we're going to look at. He says that you may, in verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, of, of the Lord and Savior. So listen, I want to bring up and I want to remind you of the words I want you to think about, I want you to get in your heart, I want you to meditate on. Kind of sounds like he wants you to read through your Bible every year. Right? Isn't that kind of what he's saying? Listen, he says, I want to remind you of these words, because sometimes people tell me, why should I have to read it, man? I read it once. I remember sharing with a guy and witnessing with a guy, and, and uh, he was a fun guy. He was, he was in the world, and him and I would go to lunch about every three months and spar with each other. He would try and tear down my faith and I would try and get him to the faith. And, uh, well, I read the Bible once. Why would you? He goes, what other book do you read over and over and over again? I go, you'd be surprised for me, yeah. right? Sometimes we have to, but listen, why, why, do, we, why do we do that? Because we need to be reminded. Amen. And we need to go through the words. And I love what Peter says. Obviously, he's talking about, he's not just talking about the Old Testament. Peter's talking about the entire Bible, right? I want to bring you, and I want you to be uh, reminded, and I want you to remember these things. Be mindful, mindful of the words which are spoken by the holy prophets. Mindful of those. Don't just read your Bible, read your Bible. Be mindful, and he says, not only the Holy prophets, I love what he's saying. Do you, do you understand what Peter just said here? And he said, end of the commandment of us, the apostles. Do you understand he just put the apostles, and listen, he's not talking about, you know, a general apostle. He's talking about the apostles. Peter, James, John. And he just, he just put them on the same level as the prophets. He just, like, elevated himself and others. And I think that's important. I don't think he's being arrogant. I don't think he's speaking out of turn. I think he's letting that generation know and let us know. And I don't think most of us in this room have a problem with the New Testament being on the same level as the Old Testament. But he says, listen, be mindful of those words. So he's letting them know that, again, the apostles, he says, those of a commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Okay, so now he's kind of said that. Now he's going to get, so he's kind of given us a general statement, right? I want you guys, I want to remind you guys, I want you to get into the word. I want you to hide the word in your heart. I want it to be strong. And now he says, and first of all, are you picking up? Knowing this first, right? So think about this. Usually when you were teaching, I know when teachers wanted you to really get something, the first thing I want you to remember, right? I want you to get this. So He's saying, knowing this first, or some of your translations might say, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days. Huh. Why are we always so miffed and amazed when scoffers show up? 
How many times in scripture does it say people are gonna be there? People are gonna reject what you're saying. People aren't gonna care about what you're saying. People are gonna make fun of you. People are gonna ignore what you say. And then we go and share our faith with somebody and they ignore us and we're all heartbroken. It's like, you should have seen that coming, right? So over and over. So, so he, says, he says, listen, knowing first, this is interesting. I want you to be aware of the word of God. I want you to pay attention to the word of God. But I want you to know scoffers will be coming in the last days, right? Scoffers are going to be there. Someone once said, there's a difference between scoff, scoffing. I don't know if scoffing's a word. Difference between scoffers. Is scoffing a word? It isn't, thank you. It is now. So a difference between scoffing and jesting. So scoffers, listen, jesting is like just having fun, making light. Scoffing something or being a scoffer is denying something and belittling it. Big difference, right? So he's saying, listen, these guys are going to show up. Scoffers are going to show up. And he says, he says they're going to come when? In the last days. When, when are the last days? Yeah, a lot of us are saying now. The last days began when Jesus died on the cross. And they will end when he takes the church to heaven. And, and does that. As, you know, as a pre-tribber, I say that. If you're a post-tribber, just, you're bummed. But listen, so that's, that's when the, the last days ends. So when are scoffers going to come? Immediately at the death of Christ. And they're going to be here all, they're going to be with us all the time. And they're going to come and they're going to like, man, it's going to be hard. So Peter says, listen, the scoffers are coming in the last days. And then he lets us know they walk according to their own lust. Now, again, oftentimes we read in the scripture and we think of lust as lusting after something as, you know, kind of a, a sexual overtone. That's not necessarily what's meant here. What's meant here is they're, they're, they're walking after their, their own uh, uh, desires, uh, not just in the flesh in the sense of sexual, but materialism and those sort of things, right? So they're walking that way. And we live in one of the most materialistic uh, 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 societies ever, ever invented, Right? We're like so materialistic in America. And, and then these guys are driven by that. They're driven by the natural, by the, by the material things. So you kind of get that picture. And most of us can look around, right? And we go, well, duh. That's all over the place, right? People living that way. people And people who are really bought into that make fun of, mock what we're doing. You know, it's horrible, right? So we do that. So he says, so the first thing I want you to pay attention they're going to be there. So don't be shocked about it. And there are men, who are men and women who are walking after, after all of this materialistic stuff, after their own lusts, and saying, so verse 4, where is this promise of his coming? Oh. Now here's what I find kind of interesting. To me, Peter is alluding to people in the church. Not just people outside of the church, but people in the church. And here's what they're, they're, they're asking. Here's what they're saying. Where's the promise of his coming? I thought you said he was going to come. Now, again, Peter and them are how far removed from the resurrection? Here, when Peter's writing this, maybe, maybe 30 years, and people are already impatient. 
whenever I read this, I think I would like to talk to those people. We've been waiting like 2,000 years, <laughs> right? So we're still kind of on it. But here's the thing. I thought you said he was coming back. Where is he? How come he hasn't come back yet? Do you have an answer? Can you tell somebody or does that kind of shake your faith a little bit? Because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to freak you out. They're trying to shake your faith. And ultimately, here's what we're going to learn. These aren't just saying, you know, when is Jesus coming? They're saying he's not coming. And to deny the return of Jesus Christ is to deny the person and work of Jesus Christ all the way back. Why did Jesus die on the cross? For our sins, right? And to what? Redeem us. And to bring us into his presence. And if he's not coming back for us, then all of that, all of that is make-believe. All of that is a fairy tale. So that's what Peter's challenging and Peter's understanding. Sometimes, sometimes we don't understand how deep it is when people are mocking what we believe and we kind of just, <laughs> and walk off. Jesus is coming back. And, you know, it would be good if it was tonight. It'd be good if it was right now. Right? And crying out Maranatha. And, and so listen, he says, Here's what they're saying. First of all, they're saying, where's the promise of his coming? I thought you guys said he was coming back. You guys told me, hey, when I started coming to church, you told me Jesus is coming back. Remember, one of the main greetings of the church at that time was Maranatha, which is come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? So they're, they're kind of into that. So where's this coming? And then here's, here's, here's how they go on. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So now they're even getting more mockery going on, and they're going, where is his coming? Ever since, and when they're saying the fathers fell asleep, they're talking about death. Everybody that, that ever, people just keep dying. He hasn't shown up. You guys are really believing that fable. What's going on? Why would you believe that? And they're like, they're like to me, kind of getting mean. Here's an interesting thing. Let me read this quote to you, and, and, and then I'll tell you who said it, because if I tell you who said it, some of you don't want to listen. So let me read the quote. This is an old dead guy, right? Let me read what he says. The meaning, talking about these mockers and what they're saying. He's saying, the meaning is that the more God offers himself by way, or by the gospel to the world, the more he invites men to his kingdom the more audacious, on the other hand, will ungodly men vomit forth the poison of their impiety. That's pretty intense, isn't it? That was John Calvin. Pretty intense what he's saying, right? They do that. Hey, the, the closer we get, I think the worse they get. And I love the, I love the idea that they vomit their, their impiety. I kind of, that just struck a chord with me. But listen, man, these people are doing that and they're going, come on. Everything's here, and here's what they're saying. Ever since the fathers died, now who are the fathers they're talking about? Is he talking about the fathers of the church? I don't think so. Pete's still alive, right? So I think he's talking about the fathers of Israel, right? So the ancients. Ever since they died, everything's the same. And now you can go through Scripture, and you can find there's a first coming and a second coming of Jesus all the way through Scripture. 
And sometimes it's hard to dif- differentiate, but it's there. But they're going, man, everything stayed the same. And, and ever since they died, man, people are saying they're coming, but they're not. And they go, everything continues as, as, uh, as they were from the beginning of creation. Oh, now here's what's interesting. They believe in creation. I kind of find that interesting, right? So here's what that's kind of hinting at me. There are people in the church saying these things. Now, there's a whole belief system, and it's called uniformitarianism, which means that everything's the same. You can know the future, you can know the present and the future by looking at the past, and it's all the same. Everything's going to stay. Deism came out of this. Have you heard the term deism? Deism means this. You believe there's a God and you believe he kind of kick-started everything and then he's in his rocking chair watching it all take place. Most of our founding fathers were deists. It always, it always upsets me when people go, we were founded by Christians. No, we weren't. Most of our founding fathers were deists, not Christians. And, and we need to understand that there's, there is a difference. So listen, most of it is about, hey, God just started this thing and he's just like watching it happen. My God is involved in this creation. Amen. He's involved and he's working, right? So listen, that's what they're saying. Everything has stayed the same since creation. It's like, hey, it all got created and it's the same. So we're a bunch of deists. They don't say that, but that's what they're saying. And they believe in, you know, this whole thing, it's uniform, it's going to work. And because it's a material world, it's not going to change. Listen, if you're very materialistic, you don't believe in miracles. You can't have miracles and believe in the material world that way because it doesn't work. And so their God can't interfere with his creation. He set it in motion and he can't mess with it. Our God gets involved in creation. He gets involved with his created beings. He gets involved with his entire creation. So that's their argument. That's what Peter's saying. They say this, and then Peter says, verse 5, for this they willingly forget. You might underline that. They're not ignorant of it. Well, they are ignorant, but they're not ignorant of it. They willingly forget. That really bothers me because here's what I believe. A lot of us as believers, we willingly forget. We push it aside, we get it out of our mind, we do whatever, and that's what's going on with these people, and we need to be careful of that. That's once again, why do we need to read through our Bible every year? Because we wanna sell Bibles, because we wanna control your lives, because we want you to eat up you know, an hour a day or whatever it is, no, so you will have the word of God in you. And so he says, listen, these people, these mockers, these scoffers, they willingly forget that by the word of God, the heavens of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. So by the word of God, the heavens were of old. God spoke and it existed. So go back and read Genesis 1 and 2, right? I just love reading that because Again, simple guy, God said, and it was. Amen. Right? I believe that. I, and I'm a young earther. Somebody asked the other day, are you an old earther or a young earther? I'm a young earther. I, I, don't, believe, I don't believe the world's been around for billions of years. Number one, I got a major problem with that. When I was in school, 
Some of you are like my age. When I was in school, they were saying the world was like a million, a million, the world and the universe like a million. Now it's billions. I'm not that old. Like that's a long time, right, in between. It's like, wow. So listen, they change to fit what they're finding. And I believe, listen, I'm a young earther. I believe God spoke and things has existed. And I believe it's around 10,000 years ago. That's just what I believe. And people say, how can that be? Easy if you're God. I always use this example. When God made Adam and Eve, do you think he put two infants in the garden and said, man, I hope they make it. I don't know who's going to take care of them, but I really hope they make it. Those of us who have had children know that is not going to happen, right? Don't you believe he made mature adults? Whatever age that is, he made them mature. Could he make a mature planet? Could he make a planet that looked like it was billions of years old? Could he make a universe that seemed old? My God can. I don't know if their God can, but my God can. And can he make the light from the stars that are, you know, I know that whole argument, you know, uh, you know 100,000 light years away, how does that light get here? It's easy. Light be. Right? If you're God, I mean, God's not like, oh my gosh, how am I going to accomplish this? So I believe, listen, I believe in a young earth. I believe that's it. If you want to be an old earther, that's okay. You want to do the whole gap theory. You want to do whatever you do to try and make it happen biblically. It's okay. But here's an interesting thought. Peter's a creationist. Did you pick up on that? By the word, the heavens of old and the earth. By God's word, he believed that God created. And, you know, here's something people talk about all the time. What do you have to believe to be a Christian? And I think there's certain things, listen, I think there's certain things you need to believe to be saved. But then I think you build on those things. And I believe, listen, I believe if you, don't, if you don't have God as a creator, I'm thinking you're in some trouble. And you begin to look at different things. I'm not saying you're not saved, you're not gonna, but you gotta look at that and you gotta understand. If he didn't create, then what God am I really looking at? I'm not looking at the God of scripture. I'm looking at a different God. So Peter's a creationist, number one. And it's important to think about that. He's a creationist. So he says, listen, God, and here's what he's saying. These people, what is their argument? Everything's been the same since creation, right? So Peter's going, they willfully forget, they willfully ignore the fact that when God spoke, the world was made. It was a world that it was brought out of, you know, the waters were separated, and it was put in the waters, right? I mean, we know there's water all around us, right? Not in Arizona, right? Not yet. Pretty soon when we, never mind. So, right? So there's water, he says, and I kind of love that. I, I love what he's doing. He's kind of giving us a, a little bit of hint. Do you know, do you know in creation, God separated the waters from beneath and the waters above? So, again, I believe he put a canopy, put Adam and Eve, did the garden. It's all really good. People are doing really good. It's a great place to live. 
I believe you had dinosaurs. You had all of these things going on. Kind of a cool place. You, you were almost in a greenhouse, right? How good was that? It didn't rain, but you didn't need rain. But it didn't rain. You're kind of walking along. And then he says, listen, all of that, God created that. And then verse 6, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. Oh, the world that God created, and here's what he's saying. It's not this whole uniformitarianism because there was a time, and here's the thing. If you believe in that, you can't have cataclysmic events happening. Well, something happened that radically changed our planet. Something radical happened. Now, people want to say the Ice Age. They say all kinds of things. I believe that canopy collapsed. I believe there was a worldwide flood I think Peter believes the same thing, right? The world, he says, was covered with water. So there's a worldwide. So not only was Peter a creationist, he believed in the flood. And I know some people go, oh, really, Pat? You really believe there was a flood? I do. I believe there's a worldwide flood. And I believe that's where a lot of the things happen. I was just talking with, with uh, Mike and Becky Dente, and they were taking their kids up to see the Grand Canyon. I think the Grand Canyon's amazing. I'm not buying into the idea that the Colorado River made the Grand Canyon. Sorry. You're not going to sell me on that idea. Like that little river in the bottom of that made that humongous canyon. And here's, here's my argument. Number one, why is it not still going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper? Number one. Number two, why has the Mississippi River not cut this country in half that's going through... Uh, going through much softer material, how come it's not making a big old honking catch? So sorry, sorry, that's a rant, but <laughs> who made the Grand Canyon? My God. Amen. I think he made it. I think the flood, listen, the flood did things. And can you imagine all that water suddenly and disappearing and doing stuff? So I believe my God did that with, with this event. So here's what he's saying. There was an event. What's he saying? You can't, you can't tell me things have always been the same since creation. They have not. And he's just using this. He's going to go further, but he's just stepping back in history and letting them know, you are denying the facts of history to, you know, substantiate what you believe today. You can't argue that way. And I think it's important. I, I think, you know, you and I don't need to be ashamed of what we believe. And, and, you know, I've told you many times, people sometimes will say, I believe the Bible's kind of made a mistake here and it's wrong. I've gone to Israel several times. And here's the thing. Every time a pickaxe in Israel hits something and makes a discovery, it always proves the scripture true. Never have they found something that has made Scripture wrong. And that's something to keep in mind. So here's what he's saying, man. That happened, so those guys are denying it, and they deny that. Now, now listen, he's going to get into the nitty-gritty, because I, I think here's, here's the whole thing that Peter's trying to get at. Jesus is coming back. So, but before he comes, listen, verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved... By the same word. So, Peter believes God made this place. Peter believe, believes God is keeping this place together. So do I. 
I don't even, you know, I don't think it's just he's keeping this place together. I think God is holding us together. Oh, I understand. Listen, I took biology and some science, and I did pay attention for a couple days. And I understand the whole thing about, you know, we're made, and it's the way the atom works, and and it's all pulled and stuff. And, you know, I get all that, and, and I don't deny that. But I think Jesus holds us together. I think if it wasn't for Jesus, we right? And listen, so I believe he's holding the whole world together. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And so he says, listen, he says, he says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment. Oh, Peter is the only one outside of Revelation that talks about, do you know that this place is going to burn? I was talking to somebody the other day about global warming, one of my favorite topics. Well, I tell them it's going to get real hot real fast. You can do what you want. I've read my Bible, and I do believe in global warming. Right here, Peter's saying, Global warming's coming, right? And here's the thing we need to understand. God is keeping it together until the time of judgment. And it's hard. Listen, it's hard. Why? We go back to the beginning. What are we doing? We're waiting. We're waiting and we're watching. And we're waiting and we're watching. And we're watching and we're waiting. And we're like, how many times have you ever thought God, why don't you take care of this? Why aren't you judging this? Why aren't you on this? Has he ever talked to you? Has he ever told you, I will? He's told me that in his word. He's gonna judge in his time. He's got a timetable. Oh, I wished he would share it. Right? I wished he would share it. Like, I wished he would share his voting process of... (laughs) You know, who he's going to raise up for kings. And so I would just like to know some of this stuff. But anyway, I'm sorry about that one. But listen, God, share your timetable. I'm like, I'm not a good waiter. And I'm like having to wait and watch and wait and watch. And my hope is in Jesus Christ. And he's saying, listen, he, he, The heavens and the earth are now preserved. Have you ever thought about that? By the same word. Here's what I know. We're not going to destroy this place. Try as we may. And I can't say that, you know, humans, humanoids have not really tried to destroy this place. I'm not not all for, like, trashing the place and getting out of here. Like, I, I don't like it when people you know, come into a house and they trash it and leave or come into church and trash it and leave. I don't, think we should, I don't think we should do that with God's creation. He's given us, we should take care of this. But here's what I know, man. We try as hard as we can. We're not gonna destroy this place. Why? He just told me it's preserved by the word of God, right? It's being preserved by that same word and it's reserved for fire until the day of judgment. It's gonna come. Now, here to me is kind of the comforting part. Till the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. Why doesn't God do something? Oh, he will. 
in his time when he's ready. And we need to be people who we're willing to trust God. We're willing to trust his timetable. We're willing to trust his wisdom, his judgment, and put it all on him and be people. Here's the thing I found when I do that. I have a lot less anxiety. I have a lot less rage. Lot, you know, all of that gets calmed down because here's what I know. My God's gonna take care of it. And I can trust him. Do I think his timetable should be a little different? Of course I do. I'm like you guys, right? Of course I do. He never, he's never called me. Hey, Pat, what do you think? Now? Most of us would say, uh-huh. So he's got it in control. And that should give us assurance. That should comfort our hearts. So what's Peter trying to do? Peter's trying to let the people know, like, this really important truth. God is in control. And the scoffers can say what they want. The world can say what they want. They can come against you. They can throw, you know, darts at at your mind to try and mess you up, try and throw doubt in there. Are you gonna believe the world? You're gonna believe those things? Or are you gonna believe the word of God? Now here's the problem. To believe the word of God, we gotta be in the word of God. And that's where he started, right? So saints, this is why here in this fellowship, we promote reading through the Bible every year. Over and over and over we promote that. Not because we're trying to like control things, but because we know that's our safety net. That's where we learn, that's where we grow. So, most of us are convinced Jesus is coming back. What I love about Peter is he's not so much in the timetable. Well, next week we'll look at the timetable. He kind of tells us a little bit and gives us a timetable that we'll look at. But for now, don't let the scoffers get to you. Don't let those mocking it get to you. Don't even let the news get to you. God is in control. Hallelujah. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the challenge that we have here as we, as we just get into Peter and, and look at this and, and we can read and, and God, we can hear his heart, which is hearing your heart, that you prompted him to write this. You put this on, a, on his heart so that he could minister to that generation, that group of believers. And, and I just kind of get a picture. They were kind of huddled together. They're freaking out a bit. Things are going on that they can't quite understand in their world. And then things are going on in their fellowship and in, in this thing called the church. And they're trying to put it together and they're having a hard time. And Peter now has described the false teachers and, and now he's getting into their false doctrine and what they're doing and what can we do to combat that? It's pretty simple. Get in the word of God. Remind ourselves by reading your word of who we are, who you are, and most importantly, whose we are, that we belong to you. And so, Lord, I thank you for this challenge. I thank you for raising up this man to write this. And now I'm going to ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here tonight and, and 
you're in that place where you're not in that relationship with Jesus. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you came on your own. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe you got drug here even. And right now you're thinking, what am I doing here? Well, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Right now is the time. And we've looked at the fact that Jesus Christ came and he's coming back. And he came to die on the cross to pay a penalty that you and I, every single person in here owed. And he paid that penalty for us. And here's the simple truth. If you're here tonight and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you're separated from God. The Bible calls that spiritual death. Everyone who has ever sinned has earned the wages and the wages of sin is death, separation from God. And the Bible says we've all sinned. So that means every single one of us, we're in that place before Christ. That's bad news. The great news, the freeing news, the liberating news is Jesus came and died on the cross. He took your place. He paid the wrath that you owed and you deserve. And he took it upon himself. And now tonight, he's letting you know, I did this for you. All you have to do is believe me. Put your faith in me. So if you want to do that tonight, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently. Volume's not important. What's important is your heart. You need to be sincere. If you're watching online tonight, you can say this prayer with us. If you're in here and you're backslidden, man, come home. Come back to Jesus. Let him know tonight you want to you be home. You want to be in his arms. Say this prayer. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. Right now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.